Welcome to the Calvary Church Podcast. We're glad that you are here and that you can be a part of a recent service at TCC. So let's join the service, which is already underway, and listen to the message. It's good to be at TCC tonight, and I just want to begin by thanking you for your prayers. Last week was um, difficult and complicated, um, but your prayers carried us, and the Lord was our help, and I'm so thankful to be a part of the United Pentecostal Church. It's a great organization full of wonderful people, and we are blessed to be a part of it. And I'm excited and nervous to look at God's Word with you tonight. And this year, we have been creating series based on the concept of our lives, our everyday lives, in light of the cross. And the motivation behind this is the reality that, according to God's Word, God cares about every part of our lives. And it's easy as Christians to compartmentalize our spiritual journey to only what we would define as spiritual. For example, God only cares about my church attendance. Or God only cares about my giving. God only cares about my prayer life. Those are the things that matter most to him. But it is completely natural to assume that those things alone are what God is watching and what God is wanting from us. However, as we dig into God's word and we're doing our best to do that, we are reminded that it has something to say about every part of our lives and who we are as individuals. And so if something is not addressed in the Bible specifically, I can assure you it's addressed by principle. And that's what we're going to look into tonight. So we've talked about money and the cross, and that was uncomfortable. And we concluded that when Jesus talked about money, he didn't limit it to dollar amounts. He didn't limit it to a percentage based on our giving. But rather, Jesus made it an issue of the heart. He spoke of it in terms like treasure, not just dollars, but what we value as people. And Jesus challenged us to take care concerning the hold that money can have on our lives. And so in the series that we completed most recently on relationships, and that was fun too, it is clear that God is extremely concerned about how we interact with other people. The mandate to love others according to Jesus Christ is second only to loving him. And so through our study of what the Bible says about family and friendship, I pray that it has become clear that the Bible is indeed full of life-giving truth that makes us free. Jesus said, you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. And I propose that Jesus' desire is not just to make us free from sin, but free to obey And to do the right thing. Because the cross was not just about death to sin. Jesus had to pay that price to give us eternal life. And so in his epistle, Peter challenges the church with the idea that growth should be an ongoing reality in the life of a believer. We do not arrive at a spiritual destination in this life. We are to continue to grow 
as Christians, we are in process. As long as we are on this planet, and for most of us, that's really good news. And so I want to begin with this verse, which was one of my dad's favorite verses, 2 Peter 3.18, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. According to this verse, we are to grow in two things, grace The use of this word in scripture can be defined as the spiritual condition of one governed by the power of grace. Because grace has authority in our lives. Grace gives us boundaries. Second thing is knowledge. Knowledge in general means intelligence and understanding. We are not to just know what the Bible says, but we must understand it so that we can apply it to our lives. And I just want to pause here quickly and say, when Peter is writing in his letter, he is writing to believers. He's writing to the church, people who have already been baptized, people who are already spirit-filled. How do we know that? Because Peter's a big part of the book of Acts. And we see this consistent pattern of, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? See, here is water, what doth hinder me? Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized as we? Unto what then were you baptized? These are all questions that Peter and Paul were a part of to say, it's a big deal to be born again. And so with that understanding, we recognize that when Peter writes grow in grace, he's not trying to say, come on and get converted. Come on and give your life to Jesus. He's saying, continue to grow because you've already done that. We make this point in Ministry 201, which is the last uh, series of classes in our assimilation process. And we do that by looking at 2 Peter uh, chapter 1, verses 3 through 10. And I want to read these to you in the New Living Translation. Listen to these verses. They're so powerful. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him. The one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share in his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. In view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence and moral excellence with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with patient endurance and patient endurance with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love for everyone. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But those who fail to develop in this way, those who fail to grow, are short-sighted or blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. So, dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you really are among those God has called and chosen. Do these things, and you will never fall away. 
What an assignment. What a list of tasks. And so with this in mind, with this idea of growth and total surrender, we come to our next topic, health. I told the security team I was going to do that so they weren't alarmed. And all I can say is this was not my idea. But here I am. I am submitted, and I get to introduce it. (laughs) And I have to acknowledge the fact that it was very hard to find a Christian resource with a comprehensive viewpoint on this subject. I stood at Lifeway like, oh, my God, there's nothing out there. And there are a lot of good resources that cover one aspect of health, but as far as a total overview, the way that we felt to teach it and look at it, there just wasn't a lot out there. And so I just have to laugh like, well, guess it's not that popular, and I understand why. Feeling that in this moment because it's intimidating to address in any setting, but I would say especially in this setting. And not only is health deeply personal, but the subject itself is very broad. And so if it makes you feel better, know from this first lesson that we're not doing an in-depth study on health as it relates solely to just our bodies. Okay? I'm going to go a little bit broader than that, hopefully a little bit deeper than that. So nay, nay, our approach to this subject is to challenge the way we view our health, to look at it as being much more than just our eating habits and making good choices that make us feel better about ourselves. Because Jesus didn't die to medicate our issues. He died so that we could be healed. When a child is hurt, we're unable to offer them healing. We just offer them comfort. We do what we can. But thank God Jesus offers us both. He offers us comfort. He is the comforter. And he offers us healing. He is our healer. And so according to the word of God, we are to love the Lord our God with our whole mind, our body, and our strength. And Brother Terry Schock preached about this powerfully at the Global Mission Service this past Tuesday. He said that God is concerned with three things, all, best, and first. Those are themes throughout the Bible. And he established this from the very beginning of the Old Testament. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 5. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Jesus referred to these verses when he was asked the question, which is the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength was his answer. And it's recorded in three of four Gospels. It's a cross-reference for all the quizzers in the room. And so tonight, I think we can agree in theory that God wants us to lead healthy, balanced lives. And we have highlighted the fact that extremes are unhealthy. Moderation is not just an ideal, it is a biblical principle. Yet when we look at our society, extremes are normal, they are promoted, And more than ever, they are socially acceptable. 
We're even pressured to embrace extremes into our own lives. And so I propose tonight that the only extreme that we find in Scripture is the standard of love and devotion with which we are to have towards Jesus Christ. The Bible uses words such as all and first to describe God's expectation concerning his role in our lives. We are called to serve God with our whole selves. We are to grow. We are to mature in our relationship with the Lord. And so how do we do that? How do we know that we are doing that? With this concept of loving the Lord with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, we're going to look at the subject of health in four categories in this series. Spiritual health, physical health, emotional health, and mental health. And while social health is certainly included in that scope, I I feel good that we covered that in our series on relationships. So what is health? Is it the absence of disease? Is it long life? Health includes the areas that we will address of spirit, mind, soul, and body. We are to love God with every part of us because he is the one who made us spirit, mind, soul, and body. In order to do that, though, we have to understand what the Bible says about these areas. And so I don't think you need me or some professional to get up and tell you that all of them are connected to each other, that all of them impact the other, whether it be in a positive light or a negative light. So tonight, I want us to consider spiritual health. Rather than take the time to define it and outline it, I have a handout, Brother Bill, I'm ready for you to pass them out. I have a handout that contains a spiritual health checkup. How about that? A checkup questionnaire. And I found it on Tom Rainer's website. So if you don't like the questions, it is his fault, not mine. I did not write them. So my hope is that You will hold on to this for a while and allow uh, God to help you assess where you are and how you can grow in these areas. And so I would very humbly ask you to pray and reflect on these questions over the next few weeks as we are doing this series on health. And so before we consider each question, we're going to do that briefly. I'm aware of the time. I just want to encourage you to not dismiss the concept of spiritual health based on what you assume that means, what you feel comfortable defining it as, because we all have our, our view of what it means to be healthy spiritually. And um, to lighten mood a little bit and the atmosphere, I have a video. Pre-meal prayer. Very confusing subject. A lot of people don't know when to pray, what to pray for, how to pray, who prays. Hey, do you want me to, should I pray? You want to, should we pray? I don't know if, all very confusing. We're going to cover it all today. Let's get started. Chips and salsa. Sometimes they bring it to the table before you're even seated. There's no need to pray for that. Lots of people wonder about appetizers. Do you pray for them? Do you not pray for them? No prayer is necessary for an appetizer if you have entrees coming out later, salad. That is the most confusing thing on the prayer continuum. If it's a side salad or an appetizer salad, no need for prayer there. Now, if it's a main course salad or you're bringing it out with the rest of everyone else's meal, 
that then is going to require some kind of prayer. But I put that kind of in a separate category. For the most part, when you're thinking about salads, just remember this. If it requires dressing, it doesn't require a blessing. Do I pray for coffee? No. Are you a psychopath? No one wants to be next to the person at Starbucks that's praying over a latte. You weirdo. Soup. Do you pray for soup? Do not pray for soups. Only bowl-related soups. Anything smaller than that is always off the hook. I like to say, if it comes in a cup, no need to lift up. Everyone knows if you order a hamburger, that's going to require prayer. But if you order sliders, that does not require prayer. It's a little glitch in the system a lot of people are not aware of. Potato skins, no prayer. Baked potato, prayer. Ask any Bible-believing Christian, they're going to have a different policy on fries. Some say never eat the fries. Some say eat as many as you want. Here's the policy on fries. Up to three fries is acceptable to eat prior to the prayer. That brings us to dessert. Always a very confusing situation. A lot of times people go out to a show, go to a movie, hey, should we grab some dessert afterward? Yeah, let me get the creme brulee. I love cheesecake. Ugh. You don't need to pray for that because you've already prayed for your meal earlier in the night. Do you hold hands before you pray? That depends on your situation. If it's a personal family gathering, some close-knit Bible study of some sort, sure, a hold hand wouldn't be uncomfortable. Now, if you're on a Tinder date, that might throw off the mood a little bit. Most of the confusion surrounding pre-meal prayer comes from when to actually pray. Let me just say, on behalf of waiters, all over the world. Please pray when your waiter is not there. There's nothing worse than a waiter coming out with two full arms of fajitas and you're over there mid-prayer of Jabez. Like, what are you doing? Last but certainly not least, who at the table volunteers to lead the prayer? Lots of people say the man should lead the prayer. Why is that? I'm not sure. It's 2018. Maybe we should get that rule adjusted at some point in the near future. A lot of people operate under the most spiritual person at the table. They're going to be the one that should pray because that prayer is going to be the most powerful and effective. So if you got obviously a pastor, a missionary, even a Christian blogger of some sort, even a volunteer youth pastor, that prayer is going to be a little less effective, but it's still going to qualify. You as an average person sitting at the table with obviously more spiritual people around you, you're kind of off the hook because I feel like God would be like, hey, how come y'all didn't bless this meal? You'd be like, I don't know. Ask the pastor. He works for you. <laughs> It was awesome, wasn't it? I think it makes a great case for the fact that we gauge spirituality whether we realize it or not. It's a new phenomenon in my life that when I go out to eat with somebody and I say, you want to pray? They're like, oh, no, no, you pray. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> so much pressure right now in this moment, you know, like for some reason my prayer is better. I don't know. I believe in short meal prayers, by the way, but... But anyway, um, we do make assessments of where we are spiritually, and we do make assessments of where we think other people are spiritually. But many times our assessing is not by a biblical standard, it's just by comparing ourselves among ourselves. And Paul said that is not wise. It is not wise. So the most important part of our health is our spiritual health. What does it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his soul? There is nothing more important in our lives than total surrender to God. Spiritual health is the most important of the ones that we're going to talk about because our spiritual health determines our eternity. Amen.
Spiritual growth and maturity is not the only goal for spiritual health. Growth is just an indication of health. In an assimilation class, we use that visual of a tree. Growth and fruit are natural indicators of the overall health of a plant. And Jesus used this visual in regards to our spiritual health. Jesus said that we are to bear fruit. C.S. Lewis said, Every Christian would agree that a man's spiritual health is exactly proportional to his love for God. And so let us quickly consider these questions together as we bring our time to a close. Number one, are you reading the Bible daily? God's word is described as a light, a mirror, and a sword. And without time devoted to reading it and studying We are without the instruction and the spiritual nourishment that the word of God provides for us. Job said he desired his word more than food. Bible reading is food that feeds the deepest parts of who we are. And so a reading plan or an accountability partner can help us so much stay on task in this way. There are apps that can help you find a reading plan by topic or around a holiday or a systematic way to read through the Bible. All of us need God's word in our lives every day. Number two, are you praying daily? 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says to pray without ceasing. Prayer is part of how we process Everything, even our enemies, is what Jesus said. So many of our problems can be solved or greatly helped if we would just pray about them. We are to be spirit-filled and spirit-led. We will not be led by the Spirit if we are not prayerful. I heard Anthony Mangan make this statement, and it rocked my world. Prayerlessness is worldliness. Let it sink in. It hurts. Prayerlessness is worldliness. You cannot read the word of God and not get the message that prayer should be at the center of our lives. If Jesus Christ needed to pray, then so do we. Jesus was not a superhuman. The Bible makes it clear that he was fully God And fully man. And because he was a man, he needed to pray. So do you, and so do I. And I can promise you this the more you pray, the more you will want to pray. Number three, how often have you shared the gospel this year? Matthew 28 19 says to go, to teach, to make disciples, to baptize. Jesus' final words to his disciples were that they were to go and teach. All nations, all of us are to carry the gospel. This is not limited to those who feel called to teach or to preach. I use this verse often because I think we got to pay attention to what it says. To be ready to always give an answer for the reason of the hope that is in us. Why? Because it is our responsibility to share the gospel with others. God expects it from us because he commands it 
clearly. Now, are there right ways? Are there appropriate settings to share the gospel? Absolutely. But we must be ready and we must be willing to do that. The Spirit of God, according to Acts 8, transported Philip into a chariot because there was a man reading the book of Isaiah who did not understand what he was reading. That's how important it is to God that Philip left where he was to share with one man the gospel. And even though I am sure Philip did not have an awakening in the middle of the night to say, tomorrow I will be teletransported by the Holy Spirit into the atmosphere and into this stranger's chariot, and I will explain to him the book of Isaiah. I don't think that Philip had that knowledge, but the Bible says that when it happened, Philip was ready. Philip was ready to answer his questions, and he discerned the need and the desire in his heart to learn more about God, and so should we. Are you faithfully fighting sin in your life, number four? The sin issue is one that will never go away until we're changed to be like Jesus in the rapture or we die on this earth. The Bible uses terms like resist and flee, and we see this illustrated through people in the Bible, we see Joseph running, and we Samson, we see Samson not running. Ephesians 4:27 says, "Neither give place to the devil." The message puts it like this: Don't give him a foothold in your life. I think it's interesting to note that this verse that we're referring to is in the context of anger. Don't even let what you're just mad about. Create an opportunity to sin. Create an open door for the enemy to work in your life. Do not let the sun go down until you have taken care of that problem, is what the Bible says. We need a renewed sense of urgency in the church about sin. We need a renewed sense about it. Jesus felt like it was urgent. Jesus is the one that said, if your eye offends you, pluck it out. It's better for you to go into the kingdom of God blind than to have your eye and miss it. That's an extreme illustration, but I think God feels about sin in extreme measures because it is will for all of us to be saved. And so there are relationships maybe, there are media outlets, there are things in our lives that we know, you know what, that's given place to sin. That's giving the devil an opportunity to tempt me. I can't trust my flesh. It might be okay for someone else. All things are lawful, but not all things are helpful to be saved. Number five, what scriptures have you memorized this year? Psalm 119, verse 11. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against God. His word is a lamp and a light. And we follow Jesus' example in the wilderness when he was tempted, when he was weak, He was tired because of his fasting, because of the spiritual warfare that he was experiencing. But the Bible lets us know he did not engage the enemy in conversation. He did not have a theological debate with him. He quoted the word of God because it is that powerful and it is that effective. And so that's why it is so important that we commit the word of God to our memory. Number six, are you serving faithfully in a local church. We are joined together, Paul tells us in Ephesians 4, 16. 
We are not a part of the church to keep us insulated or to keep us isolated from the world. We are joined together for the building up of one another. Hebrews uh, chapter 10 says, And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. I don't know how we can read that verse and think that church attendance isn't absolutely necessary to be saved and make their action. Number seven, are you exhibiting the work of the flesh or the fruit of the spirit? Galatians chapter five, verses 19 through 23. I'm not going to read them for the sake of time, but we do well to study those lists. What are the works of the flesh? What is the fruit of the spirit? There's that word again, fruit. What is it that's supposed to be visible in my life so that I know I'm spiritually healthy, I'm growing in my relationship with God. Number eight, who is walking more with God because of your influence this year? The purpose of fruit is that it's meant to be shared. Our walk with God is not exclusively about us. Dad used to say there are no lone rangers in God's kingdom. We weren't designed for it to be just Jesus and me. But hopefully we're sharing the good things that God has added to our lives with other people because we need each other. Number nine, what steps have you taken to spread the gospel to the nations? Now this is a giving issue and this is a prayer issue. It should matter to us that every nation be reached with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Even if you're not called to go, even if you've never felt any kind of draw to missions or a foreign field, as a spirit-filled child of God, your heart should be stirred by the need there is for every person on this earth that Jesus died for to hear the gospel. We should have a sense of responsibility about it. What can I do? Philippians chapter 4, Paul is very specific to tell the church at Philippi, you were the only one that supported me financially. He tells them in verse 16, if, if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't have my needs met. And so there we see it so clear that the church of Philippi wasn't going to travel with Paul. But they supported him through their giving. And Paul acknowledged, I could not do the will of God. I could not share the gospel if it wasn't for my partnership with you. And so we are called by God to be part of that solution, to be a part of that process of reaching the world, either by going or giving or praying for those who have been sent. And I personally believe that at some point in all of our walks with God, we should be a part of all three of those things. Number 10, how would your family assess you as a family member and a believer this year? Oh my it would be good to ask them, but I can't guarantee you that it wouldn't hurt a little. Do our families know we believe what we say we do? Do they know that by the way that we act? Is our spiritual health and growth stunted in some way in this area of our closest relationships? If it is, most likely it's because we are suffering in one of the other areas that we'll talk about in the weeks to come. 
God has called us to love one another, second only to loving him. And so if we ask for his help, he will help us. You stand with me, please. And so through these questions, I, I hope that maybe in your personal time, you would let the Lord knock on the door of your heart and maybe break down some walls. Maybe some of these questions represent some areas that are a struggle to you. Maybe they have been a struggle to you since you came to the Lord. Maybe it's a, a recent struggle, something that I used to be better about that, but I'm not for some reason. All of these things are factors. They are indications of where we're at spiritually. They, the fruit, Jesus said, tells us what kind of tree it is. And so sometimes we do well to say, God, what kind of fruit am I bearing in my life? Am I bearing fruit? Am I sharing it with other people? Because here's the good news. The Bible tells us not to just flee sin, not to just resist the devil, but in that same portion of scripture, it says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And so we have that assurance that as we look at these questions and we consider the things that are going to be taught in the next few weeks and we see our inadequacy or we see our frailty in some areas to say, God, I commit myself to drawing closer to you. I commit myself to hearing from your word, to opening myself up to let you talk to me about how I can grow and the things that I need to change to be a better Christian. Because my walk with God is not just about me it's about the people in my life that are counting on me to be strong, that are counting on me to be healthy, that are counting on me to be a living epistle known and read by all men. Let us pray together. Jesus, I thank you for your presence that I feel in this room. I feel your comfort and I feel your love in the midst of maybe an uncomfortable topic. God, instead of anticipating and building up defenses, Lord, about what might be said or maybe some way you might challenge us, some hurt from the past that you might bring up through your word. God, I pray that we would grow in our relationship with you, that we would grow in our love for you, that we can trust you, that whatever you're doing, whatever you're speaking to us about is done out of love. Just like we do towards our children, we address things that are important because we see the big picture. We understand its importance and place in their lives. And how much more do you do that in our walk with you? You know our issues. You died so that we wouldn't just be medicated. We wouldn't just get a spiritual band-aid. God, you died so that we could be healed, so that we could be whole. Your word says we are complete in you. And that's what I pray for every member of the Calvary Church, that we could find a place of spiritual growth, of wholeness and wellness in the presence of God. Let your truth set us free to reach for that in this series. In Jesus' name I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. This podcast was brought to you by the Calvary Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. For more information about the Calvary Church, please visit our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Consider joining us for a service where you will find friendly people 
high-energy music and life-transforming preaching and teaching from a biblical worldview. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or on our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.